Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hear elevated conversation on crucial issues. Boyd Matheson on Inside Sources. During President Biden's recent State of the Union speech, uh, he, after a few cheers and jeers and a little cajoling, I think he got it to the point where everybody agreed that no one was going to cut uh, popular programs of Medicare and Social Security. But that should not be where the story ends. It cannot be where the conversation ends uh, because doing nothing uh, actually results in a lot of cuts and often ends up hurting the poor and the most vulnerable the most. And so we wanted to get into what the conversation really needs to be when it comes to Medicare and Social Security. So we turn to a friend of the show, uh, Romina Bacha, who's the Director of Budget and Entitlement Policy at the Cato Institute, uh, always our inside source on these important topics. And uh, Romina, great piece uh, talking about how do we actually get to reform and what happens if we don't? And I, and I actually want to start there. Just walk us through if Congress does nothing as it relates to Medicare and Social Security what is the ultimate end of that? Yeah, so both programs are governed by trust funds. And the trust funds for both programs, Social Security and Medicare, are uh, projected to be depleted within the next 10 years. For um, Medicare, that is going to happen much sooner, by 2028. And for Social Security, that trust fund looks to be depleted by 2033. So doing nothing basically bakes in automatic benefit cuts for Medicare and Social Security. The lawmakers will have to do something, and the sooner they act to reform these programs, the more gradual the policy changes can be, the less drastic those policy reforms need to be, and the more time the American people will have to adjust to new fiscal realities. Yeah, and I think that's uh, such an important part of this whole process is, uh, one, we have to get out of the demonization game of, you know, pushing grandma off the cliff or, uh, you know, spending us into oblivion. Uh, because if we don't do anything, uh, that is going to be the worst case scenario because things are going to happen. And it won't matter who's in the White House and it won't matter who's in control of Congress. Uh, you focused in uh, your piece about the uh, Bipartisan Trust Act and a possible path forward. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So first of all, if I can just briefly respond to your lead in about uh, President Biden saying, you know, we will not cut Social Security and Medicare. I think some of this has been very misleading because uh, for a very long time, there has been a bipartisan consensus that current retirees or those within 
say, 10 years of retiring Mm. would not be affected by benefit changes. So that has been a going consensus for a long time, even though the administration has been trying to paint Republicans as wanting to make aggressive and radical cuts. None of the proposals that I've actually seen introduced would do any such thing. Most of them, including the Ryan proposal uh, from several years ago, uh, would have grandfathered in people already in the system collecting benefits or uh, within 10 years of entering the system. So reforms have always been more about how do we make these programs sustainable for future generations and avoid the massive tax burdens that would arise if we uh, if we don't change benefits and just increase taxes. There's also been a very little discussion about how both Medicare and Social Security have become more generous over time with benefits growing much faster than inflation. So we, uh, even if you could even preserve that promise not to make any cuts to the programs if you just slowed the growth in the generosity of benefits. So there's a lot of ways to basically um, tie that knot yeah. and still reform these programs. Uh, but to, now to your question about the Trust Act. Yes, this is a bipartisan bill that has been introduced by Senator Mitt Romney here from Utah and uh, Senator Manchin from West Virginia, who's a Democrat in the Senate. And what it would do is basically say any program that has a trust fund uh, of a certain size, which primarily applies to Social Security, Medicare, and the Highway Trust Fund, mm. we will set up a rescue commission or rescue committee made up of members of Congress from both parties, and they will have 180 days to come up with proposals to make these trust funds sustainable, avoid them running out of money. And uh, and then if they can agree on a package of reforms that would have uh, expedited procedures in Congress, there would uh, be an up or down vote, no amendments, um, and uh, and then perhaps these policies can take effect. Yeah. yeah, so that's basically the Trust Act, which I think is a promising proposal, but there's a couple of features that I think are lacking. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Yeah, and let's, uh, let's get into this one. Uh, first, just uh, Speaker McCarthy seems to be at least warming to the idea of a possibility or at least a discussion uh, about this. But I want to get to those uh, points that you raised, uh, Romina, in terms of some things that are still missing that will be crucial for this to actually be successful. Yes, I think one of the most important things missing is that this commission would be made up entirely of members of Congress. And I think that we would have a much greater likelihood of success if we had a commission made up of independent outside experts, regular Americans who could be informed by outside experts. If we look at other successful government reform commissions, one that comes to mind is the BRAC or uh, Base Closure and Realignment Commission. And the benefit of having outsiders is that they, do, they, they can look at it from a more independent perspective. They don't have a horse in the race, and they will not be politically punished or rewarded, so they can be more objective in their recommendations. And it also gives lawmakers or legislators, I should say, that political cover where they can uh, promote a proposal 
um, and say, look, this was recommended by this group of experts, independent experts that we've pulled together. And so they can avoid any potential political fallout, especially some of those changes end up being tax increases and or benefit cuts and likely a combination of both. So I just think staffing it with members of Congress, a majority of which are also, by the way, baby boomers who are um, already eligible right. for Social Security <laughs> and Medicare, you just you have a conflict of interest right there. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> uh, and, and I love the fact that that you raised that because uh, we, we've seen that before. We've seen that in uh, – and you pointed this out in your piece uh, talking about Simpson Bowles. Uh, that was a, a commission mm-hmm. that came together with, with some good uh, incentives and some, some good uh, potential, uh, but it ultimately fell flat, I think, uh, for those very reasons that there wasn't either the political courage or the political cover, I guess, depending on how you want to frame that. Uh, but what else needs to be in place to make sure that this will not just be uh, – I'm always critical of uh, we, we should give out blue ribbons for blue ribbon committees and panels. Uh, how do we make sure this is mm-hmm. one that actually delivers results? Yeah, another concern I have is that there's no enforcement mechanism or uh, uh, something like, you know, if the commission or the committee fails, then these other changes will automatically take effect, whether that be automatic spending uh, cuts or some other change that gets triggered. Basically, give them some strong incentives to uh, actually make these recommendations, make these programs solvent, because otherwise what I worry is um, this is something that members of Congress might agree on, then they increase the debt limit by several trillion dollars and the commission just ends up failing and we end up with much higher debt, but none of the spending reforms on the other side. So, um, you know, I, I would like to think that members of Congress would just do the right thing without needing extra incentives. But what we've seen also in the past is things like no budget, no pay, can actually work very well to motivate legislators to do their jobs. And so I think that a commission that has some kind of enforcement mechanism, whether that is no pay for lawmakers if they fail or, um, or you know, automatic spending cuts that they, that they would want to avoid, it just has a higher chance of succeeding. Otherwise, what are the incentives to just go up? Oh, we couldn't agree on anything. Too bad. Let's try another time. <laughs> yeah, and we've seen that so often where we've seen these uh, committees or these gangs of eight or 12 and uh, even some of these uh, commissions that have been put together and they spend eight months or a year and then they come back with a you know a one-line statement saying we couldn't agree on anything, nothing can be done, and, and it's over. Uh, and so I think having yeah. that incentive and that motivation to to make that action required, I, I think, is a is a crucial piece. Anything else we should be watching for in the coming weeks relating to this? Yeah, I think that that limit as it gets uh, closer, and now it looks like it might actually not uh, hit until July, possibly August, and maybe even in September, uh, depending on how strong revenues are earlier this year. But it looks like the U.S. might be able to avoid a recession that means that business revenue will be higher than was expected, and that also pushes out the so-called X date on the debt limit. So things could really be heating up over the summer on this. Uh, what to look at is uh, what will the House Budget Committee introduce? They made a commitment to propose a plan that would balance the budget in 10 years. Will they be able to pull that together? What will that look like? How much of that will rely on so-called gimmicks like a macroeconomic score that assumes the economy will grow much faster than it's reasonable in order to make the numbers work? I think all of these types of things will give us an indication for how serious is Congress is this year in tackling this challenge. Uh, Great insight as always. Romina Bacha, Director of Budget and Entitlement Policy at the Cato Institute. Uh, Romina, thanks for your perspective today.
Thank you. All right. That wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll step aside for some top of the hour news, but don't go anywhere. We got some crucial conversations coming up in hour number two. Stay with us. We'll be right back on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. Listen on the KSL News Radio app and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL News Radio, Utah's all day companion for news. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.